Thanks for taking the time to listen to this NHS Employers podcast. For all the latest NHS HR workforce information, visit www.nhsemployers.org. Hello, I'm Caroline Waterfield, Assistant Director of Development and Employment at NHS Employers. In this podcast, we explore the concerns and issues EU staff and NHS trusts have been raising following the EU referendum in June 2016. You will hear from frontline EU staff about how they feel regarding Brexit and how they have been supported by their employer. I would have not imagined that an organisation as complex as an NHS Foundation Trust could dedicate energies and efforts to that. We learn more about what one HR director is doing to support their EU staff. That investment, that continued welcoming approach to everybody means that existing colleagues feel confidence in us as an employer. We are also joined by Danny Mortimer, Chief Executive of NHS Employers, who discusses the various points raised. We visited Kingston Hospital NHS Foundation Trust, based in South West London, to speak to two EU citizens working at the Trust. Following the referendum, the Trust set up a support network for EU colleagues to share their concerns and work together to look at how they can overcome challenges they now face. Come in, come in. One member Hello. of the group, Pascal Varley, a French paediatric dietitian, talks to us about her concerns. Hello, Hello I'm Pascal, I'm the dietitian. So, uh, how's your baby been since last time I saw you? My main concern since the decision for the UK to leave the EU has been the uh, lack of clarity for EU citizens and the position we've been left in, which is no position, basically. It's not coming for more than two years. And the reality is that we're not sure about anything until there is a deal. And we don't even know if there's going to be a deal at that point. We've been made aware of this new settled status that has come through and is apparently the way forward. Uh, at this point, we feel it's very unclear. Uh, we have had no details of how this is going to work. And we still have enormous concerns about the residency rules and the concept of permanent residency. And that's what worries me the most. Um, we are still hearing that we will have to have lived continuously here for five years to be able to remain in the UK permanently. Now, a lot of my EU colleagues do not fulfill this criteria because we never knew we would have to fulfill this criteria when we came to the UK. So some of our doctors have worked abroad. They've done a year as in an unpaid organisation in an African country or something. I think we have very serious concerns about the Home Office. We've seen what happened to the Windrush citizens here. Well, actually not citizens because they were not even treated as such. So what guarantees can we rationally expect as EU citizens when we see the way people who've been here for generations have been treated? And I find it very distressing. Pascal's colleague, Daniela Arches is a consultant in anaesthesia and intensive care from Italy. Like Pascal, he reflects on how life in the UK has changed for him and his family since the referendum. My main concern immediately after the referendum is that the picture I had of this country was all of a sudden different, as clearly the target of this referendum were we European citizens and the fact that we felt rejected and we found ourselves in the crosshair. This is not fair because we moved here and we contributed to this country. We have been hearing about some way of settling our status since um, 
the beginning of discussions and we are two years down the line and still we don't know nothing for sure. The difficulty in clarifying our position and finding a rule of law for that is obviously adding frustration. If you look at where he's on the growth chart now, you can see it's amazing. He's actually With Brexit having such a huge impact on the future of NHS staff like Pascal and Daniele in the UK, Kingston has looked at how it can offer additional support and has developed a range of ideas and solutions. Which shows us is growing really nicely. The trust has been uh, great. We've had support from the chief executive and from the head of workforce to set up a European support group. So we've been gathering quite regularly to um, gather concerns from the staff and also see what practical steps could be taken to get more information as to what's going to happen. So the trust is now agreed to give us up to two days off work a year so that we can sort out any appointments or admin related issues uh, having to do with residency or citizenship. We've had support from the chaplains as well in terms of uh, points of contact for emotional support or, or for sort of more personal concerns. And we are now looking at having a separate section on our intranet uh, where we will be gathering all information um, about e-workers, updates from the Home Office, useful links to useful websites, etc. So our trust has been fantastic, I have to say, and I would have not imagined that an organisation as complex as an NHS Foundation Trust could dedicate energies and efforts to that. The head of HR has been particularly involved and very well geared up for this. First, it was good to feel I wasn't alone. Uh, it wasn't just me emailing at our head of workforce with my concerns, but there was a whole bunch of staff or relatives from staff who were in the same situation. And, and yeah, just that feeling that we are being taken seriously and that our contribution and, and what we bring professionally is being valued and respected. I think that other NHS trusts should basically make a copycat of what our trust is doing because that's really what you need, uh, a form of engagement with the European Union staff and uh, uh, more communication with all the rest of the colleagues. While what the, our trust has been doing is fantastic, that should be expanded on a national level. I think it should be very clear if it would be translated in a lobby campaign that NHS is at danger of losing the European Union staff. The advice I would give to employers wanting to make sure their EU staff feel valued and supported would really be to get the, the top management engaged if possible so that everybody can feel within the organisation this is coming from the top down, this is an issue that matters and also to encourage networking between the different EU colleagues you've got across the trusts. I've certainly met amazing colleagues who I had never worked with before and that's probably been one of the big upsides of this whole support group. It's not just frontline staff dealing with the impact of the Brexit vote. Employers face uncertainty too. Like in Kingston, a number of NHS trusts are looking at what they can do to help their staff understand the issues and ensure they feel valued and supported. Buckinghamshire Healthcare NHS Trust has members of staff from 88 different countries in its workforce. 
This includes staff from all but two member states of the European Union, with EU citizens making up 10% of their workforce. HR Director Bridget O'Kelly tells us how their trust has been supporting staff since the EU referendum. Absolutely, we mail shot directly EU colleagues every time there's an update from the Home Office or from NHS employers, NHS improvement. We already have in place drop-in centres every six months. We pride ourselves here at BHT in providing support right from the start of people joining us and actually from before people joining us. So particularly for colleagues who are joining us from overseas, we're very, very aware that people are leaving homes, leaving families, coming to Britain with very little support around them. So since the EU referendum, we haven't done anything radically different, but what we have done, I think, is it's raised our consciousness of the importance of that support that we provide to people who are joining us. So uh, from pre-employment, where we put them in touch with existing EU colleagues at the Trust, and make sure that individuals have a named HR recruitment consultant. And those relationships, what we find is that when people join us, those relationships are maintained throughout, uh, particularly the first year. Uh, so often my two team members from the recruitment team provide a lot of additional pastoral support. They're that go-to point from everything from where's the local supermarket or is this a reasonable price to pay for household goods, staff engagement, for all of my colleagues is really, really important. It's probably my number one priority. And part of that is recognising everybody's individual and diverse needs. And what we do hear from our EU colleagues is that's what they really appreciate. Since the referendum, NHS employers and partner organisations have been running a quarterly EU survey to gauge the views of HR directors across the NHS in England. In July 2016, only 6% of employers reported they were planning to change their recruitment strategy from the EEA. By March 2018, this number had increased to 21%. The main reasons highlighted were around the uncertainty of what Brexit entails. However, Bridget feels that it's important to continue to invest time in EU recruitment. We have also continued to recruit from across the EU, not using an agency, but directly recruiting, using word of mouth. Uh, we find a lot of staff are very happy to refer a friend, refer a family member to us. And I think that investment, that continued welcoming approach to everybody means that existing colleagues feel confidence in us as an employer. And we are implicitly saying, you can come and build a career here. And that support we give in terms of real clarity about what we can do, uh, what the situation is and how we will support them through the next year, two years, is what people are looking for. So my advice is keep looking because they are out there and people do still want to come and join us and join the NHS more broadly. I think in terms of what's important to us as an employer and for my colleagues over the next year and 18 months is real clarity of their situation, so clarity of messaging coming from the Home Office and prompt because then we will pass it on quickly and promptly to our staff and then they have confidence in us as well and I think have confidence that we are looking after their interests so that we can deliver care to our patients. Joining me now to reflect on what we have heard is Chief Executive of NHS Employers and co-convener of the Cavendish Coalition, Danny Mortimer. Danny, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. We've just heard um, from some EU members of staff about what they felt following the, the EU vote to leave the European Union. 
you any reflections on what, what they've said? I think we all recognise and we're all, I think, still pretty upset about the fact that it's taken so long to give them some of the reassurance that they've needed. And clearly the government still have a, a big job of work to do, given the length of time that's elapsed. Uh, but clearly we as employers have a job of work to do as well in, in terms of trying to provide some practical support and some reassurance to people. And the day after the referendum, we started a social media campaign, which was hashtag love our EU staff, and, and that message still stands. We absolutely love these people. We need these people to be part of our teams. And, and that's sort of brought home by listening to Pascal and Danielle. Okay, so what are some of the things that you think that NHS employers could be doing to address some of the concerns which colleagues have raised? I think what's been described in Kingston and in books sets a pretty good menu, actually. And I think those are things that people, if they haven't done them already, there still is a need to do them. That ability for people to get together and offer each other support, which Pascal talked about in Kingston, is clearly very powerful. That ability to really manage your recruitment process in terms of how you bring people on board in your organisation, particularly if they're coming from overseas, is really important. And I thought Bridget talked really clearly about actually the practical things you can do to help people. I think above all, the message about visible leadership, it's about EU colleagues knowing that their boards are on their side. So we've heard some great insights there into what those particular organisations are doing for their own staff and the confidence that they're building. What are some of your reflections around how that could be replicated beyond the individual organisation to give the 62,000 EU staff across the NHS the information they need? I, th I think we are in a better place than we were uh, for much of the last two years. I, I do think the Home Office have stepped up their communication. I think that the pilot scheme they're running uh, with the NHS and others in the Northwest is a really positive step in terms of how settled status is going to work in practice. I think also the Home Office recognise that the communication needs to be simple and needs to be clear. There's a risk that the kind of outstanding concerns that I think Pascal in particular articulated about, well, how does settled status work in practice? If, if somebody's worked for Médecins Sans Frontières for six months or a year, what does that mean in terms of their settled status? There's still work to do there so that those questions are kind of gathered and answered. Having had people who for two years have felt that there has been an absolute lack of clarity, who I think to an extent are still reeling from what the result means in terms of what we think about them as a population, we really need to kind of up our game now in terms of explaining how much we want them, how explaining what it does mean for them practically. So what are the long-term benefits and gains for the NHS if we can get this right? Clearly that there's something about that 6-7% of our NHS workforce in England staying. We can't afford to lose any one of those people from our workforce. But also what, what really came through very clearly from Bridget is this is about our reputation, employers' reputation in the longer term. I don't doubt people like Daniel and Pascal talk really positively to their compatriots and others about the experience of working in Kingston. I don't doubt people do that for Buckinghamshire as well. And we have to hope that people who are EU citizens will want to come and work in the UK after we've left the European Union. So since the EU vote, NHS employers have been collecting information from NHS trusts around England. What are some of the key issues and themes that have come out of that intelligence gathering? First thing to say is that a, a very large percentage, probably pretty consistently 40% or more, see a really negative impact of the referendum result on their workforce. And I think colleagues articulated what that was in, in the conversations we've had with them. I think the second thing is that the 
the confidence that people have in their ability to recruit from the European Union for many organisations is very different from what Bridget described. Whilst there are a whole set of factors going on there, there clearly is something not just in the, about the confidence of EU employees and prospective EU employees, but also our confidence as employers in terms of whether we can give them sufficient certainty, whether people will want to come and work in, in England. Given the demand that we have for people, given the fact that our supply-side response, particularly nurses and doctors, is going to take such a long time to kind of really mature, we all need to recruit people from outside the UK. The European Union, and particularly countries like Spain and Portugal and Ireland, but others as well, have been a really important set of markets for us in terms of recruiting people. And that has to be part of our long-term response. Danny Mortimer, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. It's clear that at a national level, government communications need to provide the certainty our staff and employers need, and that employers have a critical role to play in using those materials to provide much-needed reassurance to our staff. Can I offer my thanks to Danny, Pascal, Daniela and Bridget, and to let employers know that you can find the most up-to-date information about Brexit on the NHS Employers website, or you can subscribe to the NHS Workforce Bulletin to keep up-to-date with announcements. Thanks very much for listening.